Go for Leadership, the podcast with Daniel and Gerd. Welcome to today's episode of the Go for Leadership podcast. With me today is Heribert Schmitz. Heribert Schmitz is 77 years old, has been honorary professor at Furtwangen University since 2006. And since 2010, he is visiting professor at the Northwest University in Xi'an in China and member of several advisory boards. For more than 35 years, he held leading management positions in Germany and internationally operating companies, most recently as vice president of HP Corporation and chairman of the management and then chairman of the supervisory board of HP in Germany. He was a member of several supervisory boards and among others, the board of the American Chamber of Commerce in Germany. In addition to this, regular lectures in Fort Wangen University and guest lectures at German and foreign universities, he has also given many lectures at national and international universities in recent years, held international events and trainings. He has been dealing with questions for many years. Effective and professional leadership has his passion, business ethics and the impact on performance and competitiveness of companies. In 2005, he published his book, Get Out of the Demotivative Trap, which was published by Gabler. Go for leadership. Interviews. Albert, welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm happy to be with you. Thank you. Well, the introduction already uh, discussed a little bit about our leadership philosophy. Maybe you can give us a glimpse on uh, what does leadership mean to you? Yeah, in principle, leadership means to me to understand that a leader has to work for his or her people and not the other way around. What most managers believe and think is that people work for them. This is, a, I believe, a big mistake. I have changed that during my active time. Uh, I had, for example, I had an orchard where the customers were on the job And our first level people were below that level, close to the customer. And the top management and the whole management structure was below. You can compare that with a server. We as managers have the, the role to serve the organization, to do our utmost to enable our people to bring their best performance. This is the main role of management. I love that. And I, I like the idea with uh, the slipped around uh, org chart, actually. So we also discussed a little bit about uh, what does it mean in particular to initiate, uh, let's say, or start initiatives and projects and uh, how many times uh, those good ideas or good initiatives get, let's say, um, stopped or get forgotten in the meanwhile. Um, you yeah, outlined exactly. a little bit what, what has been your observations uh, throughout yeah. that kind of behavior in the organization. Maybe you want to share that with our audience as well. Yeah. I told you that I was in senior management positions for more than 35 years. And I must admit, in the first 25 years, I have made quite often, not to say very often, the experience that we have started many, many initiatives, projects, and they were all executed and uh, 
yeah, driven with with a lot of fun and uh, uh, enthusiasm. But what I always realized that after three months, six months, sometimes let's say after a year, these projects fell apart. The the whole motivation was gone. Uh, other inputs from outside uh, uh, got higher priorities, and all the wonderful things which we had developed and started were more or less they're not really forgotten, but they were still not worked on furthermore. And in the age of 50, I realized, or I asked myself the question, what do I need to do to make these things more lasting? That if we start something, that this has a lasting effect on the organization or on the work we do. Whether it's, let's say, in, in uh, installing tools, whatever it is. And by thinking about this question, I came to the, if you like, the question beneath. What do I need to do that people want? Want long term and their own will, not, let's say, something I initiated or somebody else told them to do? What do we need to do as an organization that people want to do the things which we would like them to do? And uh, this then led to a, a situation where uh, I have developed, if you like, a type of leadership style, which helped me a lot. Uh, I think I can say I was uh, quite successful. I had excellent feedback also from my people. Uh, but as I, as I just mentioned, I could have done much better in the earlier years of my management career, but nobody told me. And nobody told me uh, particular to address this type of things. Because normally what we do in trainings, etc., we work on skills which are trainable, easily trainable, but not things which come, if you like, from the inside, which are intrinsic. Those things normally we don't discuss. And I think that's a very important aspect, uh, and we discussed it as well shortly, that uh, at university or throughout your career, you get uh, method training or you, you get maybe an understanding what, what a leader uh, really does. But uh, how you get, let's say, the gap filled uh, in particular with soft skills. So what would be your recommendation for young leaders um, to, to start uh, bridging the gap and, and let's say, um, get soft skills uh, on their menu list? Uh, what I would suggest, uh, suggest is that we really start with what I call managing oneself. Most people don't know how they behave. Most people don't realize how their how their behavior, how they're uh, uh, going forward, let's say how they manage, what that means to the people they manage. It, normally they don't have a clue. And I had, for example, in my lectures, uh, one very important session, which I called managing oneself, uh, which meant that people 
needed to understand what are their strengths and what are their weaknesses. Uh, and that they are honest to themselves, because very often we cheat ourselves, because, of course, we are all the greatest. <laughs> but in fact, we are not. We have all our strengths and weaknesses. And it's important that we admit them first to ourselves and even better also to the organization. And the interesting thing is people appreciate yourself much, much more if you stay to your failures, to your mistakes. If you say, yeah, that's, I made a mistake. Sorry, guys. Uh, let's say I had the wrong data available or whatever it is. But don't stay always don't try to stay above the situation and say everything is fine, we did everything fine, and everybody knows it's not true. And uh, this is, is very important. And uh, the interest, interesting thing with the people, I had uh, master classes, although also with people who were already five to ten years in job, and they always came back afterwards and said, we hated this lecture in the beginning, but after the exercises we did, that was the most helpful exercise we had during your lectures, that I forced them to think about themselves. How can I, and then also we, we developed a, a development plan for each individual, how to work on short-term, mid-term, to, to address also, for example, to weaknesses, which does not mean that somebody now needs to become, let's say, the, cha the champion, the weakness. But for example, by admitting a weakness, you can think about, who can, who can compensate for that weakness within your team? And then you create also big team spirit. If you, you, if you get people into where you say, that's, that's an area where I'm not that strong, but you are very strong in there. And let's share it and let's combine it. And then together, we are much, much better. Uh, this type of thing, I think managing oneself is probably the, the starting point. I, I like that a lot because it 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 um, it has a lot to do with with really self reflection and uh, and uh, be um, let's say uh, an enhance let's say like you said enhance uh, weaknesses uh, with the right people and this is maybe also uh, let's say um, a, a good question to ask. Um, what is, uh, let's say, the perfect fitting employee for you? Uh, you have managed uh, multiple thousand uh, teams, 15,000 people. So how have you picked uh, the people that would have enhanced your skills? And, and how would you define a perfect employee? Yeah, I think uh, important is that we understand, of course, let's say all the uh, skills and, and uh, uh, co competences we need, let's say, to fulfill the job. But I think this is a prerequisite. What is equally important is that we understand how well does this person fit into the team. And here comes another aspect, which is very important for, let's say, for managers. You put that already in your question. Uh, that we combine strengths and weaknesses within the team. But this means that we cannot treat all the people the same. If I, let's say, we need to strengthen the strengths of our people. And for example, also that, that we think about how can we compensate maybe for weaknesses by ourselves, but also with the people which they may have. 
And the important question there is, uh, when we when we let's say select people, that was your question to think about this, but also in further developing people. What most companies have is they have, let's say, very strong training curricula. Everybody has to go through. And then at the end, most managers would prefer to have whatever, 20 people, and they are all equal. They have the same knowledge because then they are exchangeable. But there never will be a high-performing team that will be just, yeah, middle average. <laughs> it will be average. Uh, and, and therefore, it's so important that we understand that I have to look into each individual, which skills that do they have, also, let's say, which strengths and weaknesses do they have, and what can I do to help them to develop them further. But this means I have to develop each individual individually, which is, from a managerial point of view, of course, by far more uh, needs much more effort than if I treat them all the same. Same training, blah, blah, blah. I assume everybody uh, has the same skills, the same knowledge. Uh, but that is anyway not true, <laughs> uh, even if they run through the same training. <laughs> but you get a very high-performing team if you look into the individual strengths and weaknesses of the people and then build on this. And I think that also, um, and, and we touched this shortly, um, uh, it touches a bit uh, when new people are joining the team, right? That uh, you mentioned that uh, it is not wise to say they should go through a standardized onboarding process. They should rather get a spe special, let's say, onboarding, individualized onboarding. Maybe you can also uh, outline a little bit on, on, on that matter. Yeah, I think, uh, let's say, in the beginning, to get familiar with, let's say, with the company, with processes whatsoever, uh, yes, there might be, let's say, some standard training available. But if you look into the development of people to develop them further, uh, then I think uh, <coughs> these standardized trainings don't help a lot. Uh, but the most important thing is that I think about or that I accept the fact that I need to treat the people individually. I think this is the most critical part. In ever, if I had bought into this concept, which means I have, I have a hell of a job to do, to do this with the people, because it's not always easy. Also, the, the, let's say, the confrontation with people. Uh, uh, most managers don't like to have tough discussions with their guys. Uh, also, for example... How often have I seen that people have been in positions where they didn't perform very well? And we left them in that position two years, three years, four years. And after three, four years, everybody in the out organization, also in the other departments, realized this guy has a low, is a low performer. And this is very unfair to this type of people because the the low performance may come from the bad chemistry between this guy and myself. And this guy may perform in other settings much, much better than in the setting I could give, give him. That means the worst thing I can do to leave people in positions for more than two years. I, I believe all people issues have to be addressed at least or as a maximum in two years. 
afterwards, the problem has to be solved. Either the guy is gone, or I have to move him into other positions, into other uh, settings where he may can perform. The problem is afterwards, everybody says he's a low performer, and nobody wants to have him anymore. The guy is frustrated, the performance is very bad, uh, and this is also not good for the rest of the team. And therefore, this, this let's say, individual handling of the people is very, very critical. And this is, and that means much more work for the managing, uh, for the people who lead this, uh, uh, for the leaders who manage those guys. But I think it's a very important aspect because, uh, like you said, right, maybe it's not the wrong person, it's just the wrong job for that person in particular. Uh, and I think or the chemistry. Uh, Well, the chemistry, yeah, like the exactly chemistry between, let's say, the boss and and the the employee. That may be just a, a simple reason. Mm. So you also touched base oh. something which uh, I very liked uh, is that there are people that are, let's say, intrinsic motivated, and, and there might be people, and, and and we touched base a little bit with the before question uh, that there might be, let's say, frustrated or or might not be f fitting, let's say, within the organization. How how do you see? here uh, the uh, correlation and how would you uh, treat people let's say they are highly motivated and what is the the difference between people that that, that might be let's say on the low performer list uh, how, how you get them let's say uh, motivated or addressed i think this is a key question because this has to do with which image do i have do i personally have from people Do I believe that people want to perform, want to contribute, or do I believe that all guys are lazy and they just try to, let's say, to, to have a nice job, have a good pay, and that's it? My really belief is that if people are not demotivated, frustrated by the organization or by former organizations, that most people I have seen And by far, let's say, really the most people I've seen, for example, coming from university or whatever, uh, are intrinsically highly motivated. And yes, there are, let's, let's see the number I came up with, uh, but this is not uh, 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 theoretically, if you like, uh, founded. Uh, 10 to 15% of the people may not perform as we would like to see it. You have these guys, let's say, in most organizations. What we then very, very often do is that if there's a, a guy, and a very good example here is here always, let's say, time. Uh, for example, there are people who work really, let's say, the, the hell out of themselves. And there are others who say, okay, after six hours, because it's not controlled, uh, there's one guy who sleeps. You have 10 people, and one guy says, I don't care. What we then normally do as an organization, and this is a big, big mistake, and this is happening in, now I would say from my experience in most organizations, then we, we, we see that guy, he just working six hours, and we say that's not possible. We have to change that. And this has also negative impact on the other people. We cannot allow this. We need really to, to get this guy in line. And then what do we do? Instead of handling this guy and, and, let's say, trying to get this guy, let's say, on the right path, what we normally do is because 
that as a management, it's much easier because to, to talk to somebody very tough and say that's not working, it's much easier for management to say, now we establish a new rule. Everybody has to work at least eight hours. And then also some people came and say, no, we have to control this. Because otherwise, how can we realize, is that really true? Is this guy working eight hours? And then we apply this rule to all 10 people. Now ask yourself, what happens? No, and I, I, I like the <laughs> the idea, like we discussed, right? Of course, this affects the, the whole population of the team. Right. I think that, that is, that's a that critical real, piece. And that is the real problem. That means we had a team where nine of 10 people were highly motivated. You didn't need to control time. You, you, you had to maybe to tell them, guy, you better leave home. Uh, uh, your wife is already waiting, let's say, the last 40 days for yourself. You never have seen your wife uh, uh, during the last 14 days. Better you take a, a day off, right? But now what we do is we, we tell all the guys, we need now to control your, your time. And the effect is that from these nine people who normally would work really more than they need or they have to, seven, six, seven, maybe eight, say, huh. they don't trust me. Now I need to, to, whatever, let's say, now I need to prove that I work more than eight hours. Okay, then I work eight hours. And my experience is also there are one or two people, then of a group of 10, also 10, 20% of the people, you cannot demotivate. They are so motivated, regardless what the boss is telling them, <laughs> they do anyway what they want. And we can be happy that that is the case because those are the guys who bring things forward. But the issue is that this big middle part really reduces, we reduce their motivation. That's our fault and that is not the fault of the people. I absolutely agree, and I think that that has to do also with empathy. To to uh, and um, like you said, you need to treat every uh, person individually to understand uh, what are their specific needs and how you, as leader, can react on those uh, and uh, fulfill them. Um, there's another aspect that I wanted to touch base with, which is uh, your leadership, let's say, methodology or let's call it style, maybe you can give us also a glimpse what, what helped you uh, evolving your style and how you uh, use different, let's say, styles in order to address the different groups of people or types of people. Now, I think we can principally uh, distinguish between two styles. Of course, there are, let's say, many in between, but you can have either a very cooperative leadership style where you really try to engage all of your team within in what you do also with uh, with your thoughts and uh, your ambitions and also your uh, your objectives that everybody really understands where we are driving towards or you have a very directive leadership style where we tell the people what to do and this last uh, uh, leadership style i think is the one which is applied the most because people believe manager believe if I only need to tell them what to do, <coughs> they will do that. That, of course, is a big mistake because 
uh, we always believe if we put, let's say, 10 slides out and uh, where we have all the objectives put on and then say, now move on and uh, uh, execute, that's a big mistake. As managers, this, still, uh, this uh, style might be easier to do because I have thought about it and I'm convinced that that is the right uh, way to go. And then I push it, say, okay, now that's it execute. I have heard that, I can't tell you how often I have heard that, even in an excellent company like HP, where people told me, yeah, don't think, just execute. And that's wrong. Mm. People want to think, people want to uh, be uh, engaged and want to understand what to do. And my experience is, if people have a similar understanding of the problem of the situation, they come to similar conclusions like you. But it is of course, it is takes some time till to have for people at that level that they really can, let's say, embrace that they can also uh, uh, accept your whatever, let's say, your uh, current thinking. And uh, uh, but at the end, and I've made that ex uh, experience many, many times. At the end, if we really take the time to get people involved, we come to similar conclusions and it might be not yours because it's not always the case that your uh, 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 <clears throat> understanding of the situation is the only way to go. Uh, there might be others, uh, other ways uh, maybe even better or a combination of it might be even better. And we all miss these opportunities if we just take, let's say, our understanding and say, just execute. And by telling people just execute, we destroy motivation. And what I call this, uh, in, in let's say my understanding, motivation wedge. Uh, there is a, a, a certain situation, either I have a leadership style where I try to get people involved and to keep the motivation level high to this, let's say 80, 90% intrinsic motivation, which people normally have, or I have this very, yeah, authoritarian style, where I believe I'm the only guy who knows what happens and where to go. And then I create a situation where at the end of, as I mentioned, 20% of the people you cannot motivate, <laughs> they do anyway what they want. But uh, you have the other rest of the organization, you have frustrated. And they, they just perform what they are asked to do. But it's not this very high level of intrinsic motivation which drives people. I absolutely agree, and I think, uh, in particular, in, in large organizations, um, that that that's for sure. Um, I mean, in, in all kind of organizations, but uh, in, in particular in large organizations, I think there there are a lot of processes and 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 uh, rules to follow uh, where uh, this individual, let's say. Um, um, style or or working with 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 your staff can be even a challenge. But I completely agree that uh, it's it's much more important and much more uh, outcome oriented um, and 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 and, and uh, much more people centric. Uh, and by the way, required. So I'm I'm a strong believer of what you have just said. Everybody, we, we come now to the end. And uh, before we finish, I, I usually ask the question, what uh, would you have said to yourself before you started your professional career to become a, a leader? Uh, so for, for our 
you join us, um, maybe some, some ideas uh, from, from your end. Yeah, to be honest, I have never uh, planned when my next, let's say, level of management of my career. It always happens to me. The only thing I had was that I said, I do in every job I did, I try to do my best. Uh, and the rest just came. Uh, where I had, and that was something which I had not as a fixed plan in mind in my young age, although whatever, 25, 26, but that came later. And this was something which I found very, very helpful for me. And that is, you probably have heard that expression, change it, love it or leave it. I like that, Terabit. Go for Leadership, the podcast with Daniel and Gerd. And thank you so much for being our guest today with, with great insights and, and uh, I think a, a very uh, great uh, glimpse into how, how to treat your staff and the people and, and what you can do wrong if not uh, doing the right way. Thank you so much for being our guest. Yeah, you're welcome. Go for Leadership, the podcast.